Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a major... 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. It's an absolute joy to spend the hour with you. And, you know, we start each and every broadcast with that sound emanating from the marketplace of ideas. And that's exactly where Jesus calls us to go, by the way. If you don't believe me, listen to that precious conversation Jesus has with his father in John 17. He's on his way to Calvary, and he says very clearly that his prayer isn't that we'd be taken out of the world, right? but that we'd be sanctified with his word. Why? Because his word is truth. So there's a bunch of things packed into that. Number one, get out and go is exactly what we're told to do. How do you influence and occupy when you're home with the covers over your head? Number two, we have to understand what is the difference between truth with a capital T and truth with a small t. So this whole broadcast, this whole program that I've been doing from the nation's capital for mm, umpteen decades now is predicated on the idea that you and I go out into the marketplace of ideas so that we can influence and occupy, so that we can seek the welfare of the city, so that we remember that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. All of those wonderful things that were told in Scripture, but also we're fishing for men. And that's where the fish hang out, in the marketplace of ideas. So when we get out there Here's what we're going to find. We're going to find all kinds of merchants who are going to sell shabby goods, cheap goods, counterfeit goods. But also we're going to find people who proclaim and know the truth. How do I know that? Well, I'm going to borrow from a fellow by the name of John Bunyan. In the late 1600s, he writes this classic, which, by the way, is the second most published book in the history of publishing, next only to the Word of God. 
And he writes Pilgrim's Progress. And in this fabulous allegorical journey where Christian throws off his backpack of sin on his way to the celestial city before he crosses over and hears the roar coming up from glory, he also finds himself, along with his companion, a fellow by the name of Faithful, in a place called Vanity Fair. He didn't want to go. Just like you and me, most of us don't want to go to the marketplace of ideas. How come? Because we're going to be called knee-jerk, reactionary, homophobic members of the religious right, Christian nationalists, whatever the pejorative du jour is. And so we want to retreat and we want to hide and we become ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is exactly the antithesis of what we should be doing in a world that's growing darker by the moment. But Christian didn't want to go. Faithful didn't want to go. And so Bunyan writes that they actually tried to disguise themselves. They pulled their shirts up around their face, Bunyan writes. When they got there, the merchants picked him up right away. Something about being a follower of Jesus. You kind of, if you're living authentic Christianity, you tend to stand out in a crowd. They stood out. The merchants recognized that. And so they started shouting at Christian and Faithful and said, bye, bye, bye. And Christian and Faithful retreated momentarily and then realized whose they were and where they were and what they were supposed to be doing. And so they decided that they would respond. And you know what their retort was? It's exactly what you and I should be saying today. We only buy the truth couple of things impactful in that statement. Number one, in that cacophony of chaos known as the marketplace of ideas, there are truth tellers. There are truth sellers, only they give it away for free. And it means that Christian and faithful were capable of discerning truth from falsehood. That's what this whole program is all about. And so when the book comes before me called Living in the Days of Deception, and the subtitle, by the way, resonates with this program, How to Discern Truth from Culture's Lies, I thought, that's the manifesto for this program. Then when I find out that it's written by Jack Hibbs, well, I didn't walk. I ran to find out if Jack could join me to talk about this book. If you don't know who Jack Hibbs is, let me introduce him to you. He's the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. That's based in Southern California. He's the founder and president of Real Life Ministry and a nationally syndicated TV and radio show that literally is heard by millions around the globe, by the way. He loves to treat the Word of God. Line upon line, he is uh, exceptional in his expositional Bible teaching, and he's written some fabulous books. But the latest one is really a clarion call for the church today. It's called Living in the Days of Deception. And on that, just one quick thought to set the stage. When I was a teenage kid growing up in the church, came to faith early in life, there is a verse that rock rattled and rolled my world, and it still makes me uncomfortable today. It's found in Matthew 24, 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Ooh, that's you and me. And I would say to the Lord night after night after night, Father, please, I have the imputed righteousness of Christ. How in the world can I ever be deceived? And that's been a real concern in my life all along. Come to Washington, D.C., which is where I talk to you every day from, and I can tell you it's real easy to be deceived. And that's why we have to make sure that we know truth and we know how to discern it. Why do I know it? Because this is war. How do I know that? Colossians tells me that we're to be careful to not be taken captive through vain and hollow philosophies predicated on this world rather than on the Word of God. So Jack Hibbs' book is a mandatory read in my classroom. Jack, thank you so much for giving me the gift of one hour of your time. Thank you even more for such a timely and excellent book. I appreciate your being here. Well, Janet, thank you so much for the opportunity, and I just hope that our time together is worthy of, of your grace and the things that you've said. I, uh, you were just unpacking uh, the truth around us in light of all of the darkness. This is an amazing time. So, um, yeah, thanks again. 
<laughs> well, thank you for the way you teach and the way you write. You talked about the study of the last days. Now, we talk about them a lot. How can you not? When you see what happens October 7th in Israel, and if you're a student of the word, if you're going through life, like Billy Graham says, with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, you start asking questions about the latter days, the last days, the end times. And certainly the ascendancy of deception all around us certainly has to catch our attention as well. But you put a remarkable perspective on the events of the last days, and you talk about what they're called to do in terms of validation, God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, the Messiah's identity, and to get our attention. Talk to me about this idea of validation. Well, everything today is to be validated. I know that sounds cliché, but the fact of the matter is, you know, we've got these these uh, comments made by uh, news pundits. Well, uh, we ran this through the fact checkers, or the fact checkers say this or that. To validate is to confirm the reliability, the authenticity of something. When we look around the world today, the narrative of so many things that are being said, we can't even prove if they're true anymore. However, we're not afloat uh, without an anchor. The fact of the matter is that it is the Word of God. It's the Bible. You, you laid it out perfectly clear. The Bible tells us that we can know the truth, and that truth will set us free. Amen. When we come back, I want to dive into the idea of deception that you write about so beautifully in your book. The book is called Living in the Days, and it's spelled D-A-Z-E. Great play on words. Days of Deception. How to discern truth from culture's lie. Excellent brand new book from Jack Hibbs, senior pastor, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, based in California. Back after this. Heaven, hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But do you understand what you believe? That's why I've chosen I Believe, a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. We have the privilege of spending the hour with Pastor Jack Hibbs, who's the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, based in California. His brand new book is called Living in the Days of Deception, How to Discern Truth from Culture's Lies. And because so many of my dear listeners all across the country are friends of Moody Broadcasting, you should know that one of the persons who endorsed this book is Pastor Lutzer, that's an imprimatur of approval from our camp, so we really appreciate that. Jack, I want to talk about the idea of spiritual deceivers. And it's, I think, paramount you start by just unpacking words. When we talk about being deceived spiritually, what do we mean? Well, first of all, it's, there's a, a prerequisite for being deceived, and that would be ignorance of what is mm. being propagated. Paul the Apostle, over and over again, you, you referenced what Jesus said in Matthew 24, that if we do not know what the Word of God has said, then we are by default set up to, to be deceived. And so when we've got an age like we do today, where we've got a lot of churches and a lot of people attending church, Janet, but... Um, are they teaching the Bible? Uh, you know, people will say, well, isn't that an old book? Well, of course it's an old book, but I'll go further than that. It's an eternal book. The truth of the Bible never changes. It's God's expressed will to man on earth. And so when Jesus says what he says, he's just not saying that to 
somehow hype up the crowd. He's actually announcing that you better get the Bible on and in your heart because there's going to be those who will be performing miraculous deeds. Imagine that. People have forgotten that Pharaoh's magicians threw their rods down and became serpents. That was a demonically mimicked uh, deception. And Jesus said there's going to be deception in the last days that will be at its worst. And I'm so glad, Janet, you, you stressed something. I don't know if you're aware of this. When you were quoting Matthew 24, 24, you rightly stressed the fact that all of this deception's coming, and it would deceive even the very elect yeah. if possible. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. That if saves our life, but that presupposes that his people, his elect, know the Word of God. If you know the Bible, you are not going to be deceived. Getting people to read the Word, understand the Word, and uh, really equip themselves, they will not have to worry about these last days that are upon us. You'll be able to see through, well, frankly, see through the days, see through the fog. Oh, so well said. I'm so glad you brought that up. So if we look at data gleaned from folks like Dr. George Barna, there's a, there's a shift here. There's a mission creep taking place that we are dangerously, and, and you just rightly identified that the antidote to deception is getting in the Word of God. You can't possibly be deceived if its truth is written on the tablets of your heart, and you're going to be able to have what I like to call my spiritual Geiger counter going off saying that's false versus what is true. But the presupposition is you're in the Word. When we start to drift out of the Word, we get stuff like Barna finds, like Bible-believing, born-again, professing Christians say, well, maybe Jesus sinned. I don't really believe in the devil. I'm not sure that Jesus is the only way to salvation. These are not sidebar stories. This is the cornerstone of Christian orthodoxy. So you can't blame the world when the follower of Christ decides they're going to go on a starvation diet and then gets deceived. So in other words, there's hope here. Even though this stuff is going to happen, what you're stressing throughout the book is that you don't have to be afraid of this stuff. You just need to be immersed in his word. Well, I got to tell you, and this comes from personal experience. You are so right about what you just said. Uh, the issue of COVID, for example, we we knew the Bible. We were a church that that had been preaching it for thirty plus years. COVID came here in California, and you know well that Gavin Newsom was one of the incredible lockdown governors. Uh, but we kept our church open. Why? Because listen. We realized when Newsom came out and said, well, I'm going to make the decision as to what businesses and organizations are essential and non-essential. Janet, I knew it immediately that we did not fall into any one of those two categories. (laughs) Immediately I knew, well, that answers that. Thank you, Governor. The church is transcendent. It's not essential or non-essential. The church is transcendent. It, It has come from heaven. We operate uh, uh, by the book of heaven, and we're led by God. And so during COVID, here's the amazing thing. We wound up baptizing 3,011 people during COVID, never made the news, never made the press, nobody cared. We were completely maxed out, had to go to four services with over 3,000 people per service. Mm -hmm. Why? People were scared, they wanted truth, and they weren't going to let even the threat of a virus take away their hope of finding meaning and purpose. And so when you know what is true, you can stand on that even in the face of the criticism, because I got it all. I was Mm -hmm. labeled by all the media outlets that I'm going to be the pastor that killed his flock. Nobody died. The church grew. And the point is this. How did we know? How did we know to stand? We just followed the Bible. We actually believed that Jesus said, imagine this, 
that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Yes, amen. And in, and in what way, in what area does that apply? The answer, everything. To me as a pastor, the way that our church is taught, there's nothing sacred or secular. It's all sacred under God. Whatever the world says is secular, you know what? That is sacred to our God. Uh, I love how Jesus put it. When somebody held up the coin and uh, the issue was paying taxes to Caesar, and Jesus said, well, whose inscription is on this coin? And the people shouted, Caesar. So Jesus brilliantly said, well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And what we don't get, Janet, in the West, the East, they got it immediately. God is greater than Caesar. When Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, what Caesar has and who Caesar is answers to God. It was a brilliant answer. Go ahead and give Caesar his taxes. Just know this. Caesar belongs to God. Those taxes belong to God. Rome belongs to God. The entire world belongs to God. And if I don't believe that, then I'm going to be cowering in the corner. I'm going to gravitate toward wokeism because mm-hmm. I want to be liked. Mm. I'm going to want to be pampered. And that's a dead end. Oh, I tell you, this is such a timely book for the day and age in which we find ourselves. Look, this stuff is coming. Jesus has a amazing way of telling us through his word exactly what lies ahead. And I'm so thankful he did. Now, you and I are called to be good sailors, good farmers. We watch the sky. We look for the signs. And it's coming. We don't have to have a spirit of fear. In fact, that same book says you and I don't have one. Power, love, a sound mind. That's what we got instead. But as Pastor Jack Hibbs just reminded us, friend, if you're not in the word, look out. Your anchor's not holding because you're not anchored to anything. This book is so timely, Living in the Days of Deception, How to Discern Truth from Culture's Lies. More with Pastor Jack Hibbs right after this. Living in the Days of Deception, brand new book by Pastor Jack Hibbs, who's the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, is also the founder and president of Real Life Ministry. And by the way, as a result of that ministry, he is heard on radio and TV literally around the globe, impacting the lives of millions. And I just love a pastor who knows how to take the whole counsel of God and apply it to the world around us. And Jack Hibbs is just such a pastor, by the way. This book is so unbelievably relevant. Maybe it's because we do talk about deception and what's in the marketplace of ideas. And this book is like walking through that marketplace and taking a look at some of the stuff that's being sold out there that, unfortunately, even we as believers sometimes succumb to. You make the declarative statement that discernment is sorely lacking but much needed among today's Christians, to which I say a hearty amen. So we have deceptions, not just in the world. In fact, the world, last time I checked, is doing exactly what the world does without Jesus. My greater concern is the church. And you write, we have a whole chapter about deceptions within the church. Talk to me about that, Jack. Well, it's amazing because the Bible tells us that the church is the ground and pillar of all truth. So you don't have to go far to realize the impact of that. When you look at the founding of America, you look at the the, the Pilgrim Fathers and then our founding fathers, how they look to the scripture. In fact, you're in D.C. area. If you go and walk around Washington, D.C., you see these monuments mm-hmm. that are engraved with scripture. That's right. And, and, and you know, we are a people who uh, were, grew up on the word as it is uh, for a nation, like no other nation in the history of man uh, apart from Israel. And so when we detach ourselves from history, 
I, I see two parallels, Janet. When when we stop reading our Bibles or start preaching and, and, and stop teaching our Bibles, notice that we also stop teaching history. History <laughs> and the Scriptures are, are bedfellows, so to speak. They shake. They kiss. Because history reveals what has happened. The Bible not only tells us what's happened, it is the Bible that tells us history in advance called mm-hmm. Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. It's flawless. It's never made a mistake. It's never going to make a mistake. And so as a nation, as this nation goes, we don't know our history. We don't, we don't know our religious history. And so in a sense, uh, America today is almost uh, a self-imposed type of um, orphan type of relationship, a godless nation, you could say, because what's going to happen when the generation that does know the Lord pass away, the generations that are coming up now, even if they're attending churches, are the churches teaching repentance, which is the first word of the gospel? Are they teaching discipleship or are, all the, are they just about uh, you know, evangelism? Look, I'm for evangelism, but after somebody gets evangelized, you're supposed to disciple them. That means take them deep. And um, we don't see many people growing up Christians these days as we could be with all of the tools, right? We have amazing resources. Technically, everybody's got a Bible in their hand. Even if you're in, in the middle of, the, of Central Africa, you've got a Bible. If you've got a cell phone connection, you've got a Bible. And yet we're seeing more and more apathy and ignorance. And I just think personally that it is a sign of the times that yes. we are in that Laodicean age where uh, there are many who profess religion, but there are few who accept the true power of God. I'm so glad you brought up the church at Laodicea. Let me read what you wrote. Eschatologically, Laodicea is the church of the last days. And as happened at Laodicea, much of what is called Christianity in the church today has little or nothing to do with godliness. I have no doubt that we are living in the Laodicean period today. And I think you're spot on. So it raises a kind of philosophical as much as theological question, which is, the Bible it applies to all people in all times and all places. The more you study it, Jack, you know this is a pastor, the deeper dives you go. You'll never get to the bottom. You can read and teach the same passage 20 times, and every time you're going to find something new, its relevance is more stunning with the passage of every single day. And yet there are some who say, eh, doesn't satisfy. I'm going to disconnect the old from the New Testament that was written for a different time, different people, different places. It was a patriarchal society. It has no personal relevance for me. And that hunger to read the love letters from the unconditional lover of our soul is dissipating. Just Mm. where is that coming from? Aside from being clearly a hallmark of the latter days, which I absolutely believe it is, are there any other causal factors that we can see and touch and try to repair? Yeah, well, you know, Paul warned us uh, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. I mean, you think about, you got to ask yourself, is this really happening? Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, that they will uh, seek their own wealth, their own prosperity at the expense of others, mind you, that they will deny the existence of God, uh, that they will go about believing that pleasure and filling their stomachs with what they want is, is the means to uh, the purpose of life. That could describe Hollywood today. Mm-hmm. That, could, that could actually describe our government today. And so when somebody says, well, I don't believe in the Bible, I, I just, Janet, I got to tell you, I don't let them get away with it anymore. I've got to ask them, can you tell me why you don't? Tell me why. And it really comes down to this. They'll, they, they'll claim that they don't believe in God. 
But then they'll spend 20 minutes telling me how bad God is. There's wars everywhere. Babies are being born, deformed, and all this and that. They tell me that God doesn't exist, but what they're really saying is they're not happy with the way he's running the universe. They Mm -hmm. fail to remember that all the suffering that you and I are going through in this world did not come from his hand. It, Jesus said it comes from Satan who has come to rob, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you eternal life. Wow. Pastor Jack Hibbs is with us. This conversation is flying by. We're at the 50-yard line already. I, I, I cannot give you everything that's in this book, but I can, Lord willing, create an interest in your reading this book so you'll understand that we are called for such a time as this, that we are called to think critically and biblically, which by the way, for the record, is not an either or proposition. It is a both and for the maturing believer. But these are the days of deception. As Dr. Francis Schaefer asked us so many years ago, how then shall we live? This book will help answer that question. More with Pastor Hibbs right after this. Anyone can read the news. Every day on In the Market, we're committed to telling the news as seen through the lens of Scripture. As Christians, we must be informed about what's going on in the world and respond appropriately. When you become a partial partner, you ensure that we continue here on your station, equipping the church to discuss current events using the Bible as our solid foundation. Why not become a partial partner today? Call 877-JANET-58 or go online to In the Market with JanetPartial.org. Fabulous new book by Pastor Jack Hibbs. It's called Living in the Days, D-A-Z-E, Great Plan Words of Deception. And the subtitle tells you what the book is all about, how to discern truth from culture's lies. Listen, this is, we've been told in God's word, going to happen, okay? There's going to be a rise in apostasy. There's going to be heresy. There's going to be an increase in persecution of Christians. Just, well, I'll never forget Anne Graham Lotz coming to speak in an event, and she was going to teach on Matthew 24, and she started by saying, ladies and gentlemen, today, I'm going to teach you how to tell time. Well, God's watch is ticking, and we are seeing what's happening all around us. But what an exciting time to be in, but not of this world, to remember that we have dual citizenship in heaven and here on earth. And as long as we're here, we have an opportunity to live lives of distinctive, authentic Christianity. That's what Pastor Jack Hibbs does. He teaches on this regularly from the Word of God. He's senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, based in Southern California. He's also the founder and president of Real Life Ministry and a nationally syndicated TV and radio program that is heard by millions around the globe. And I want to jump right back into this book. And there's, oh, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of land in this book. I'm not going to be able to cover even with the gift of one hour of Jack's time. You you write beautifully about different things that daze us, the confusion, if you will, that's in the culture. And I'm hop skipping and jumping over some of these. And you write with eloquence and depth and much more in each of the chapters. But one of your dazed that you talk about is being dazed by easy believism, by easy believism. Now, if you can start by defining that, I think that would be grateful because it ties into what we were talking before about biblical illiteracy. But also, it seems to me that there's a profound sense of um, self-aggrandizement there. I'm going to make a gospel that's more palatable to me and far more comfortable to me. So talk to me about this. Yeah, I think it comes from this, just the um, the pursuit or the desire for crowds or, or for acceptance. And so when we talk about easy believism, we're talking about a gospel that is actually not a gospel. It's the type of preaching that kills. And it leaves out the very... 
uh, genesis of, of the gospel message, the true biblical gospel message. Peter, Paul, Jesus, throughout the scriptures, the announcement is proclaimed about what the gospel is. And the first word is metanoia in Greek. And it, it is the word that we use in the Old English, repent. It's a nautical term. It means to turn your ship around 180 degrees. People have viewed that term as being not popular or not palatable. So they'll say something like this. Don't you want a better life? Do you want your sins forgiven? Then come to Christ. Now, that sounds great. But then when you have somebody who's made that sort of a decision and then you ask them, what is it that you just did? How did God just save you from your sins? Sins? What sins? Well, the repent and believe, metanoia, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That is the gospel. And so, uh, tragically, repentance has got to pre or be the precursor of a revival. Mm -hmm. We all talk about revival, but you cannot have a revival unless you have vive. (laughs) You've got (laughs) to have once been alive to be made uh, alive again as a church. Sadly, there's so many churches with filled with so many people that if you ask them, Janet, can you tell me the gospel? If they say, just believe in Jesus. Well, Muslims just believe in Jesus. Mm. Jews just believe in Jesus. Historians just believe in Jesus. It is the follower of Christ who says, I understand the gospel. I was lost, now I'm found. Christ was my atonement on the cross. He died in my place, and by his righteousness imparted to me by faith. God has birthed me into his kingdom. Jesus said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And God has convicted me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner, so I've run to him as my savior. And I have found my absolute forgiveness in in, in his graces and in his merits. And when we cannot define that, Janet, when we cannot say what it is that we believe in, then how can we defend it? If we can't articulate what we claim to believe, then how can we defend? If we cannot defend, we cannot believe it. Mm. And so this is a critical age. We need to stop talking so much and start learning the truth. Yeah. Wow. Such a good word. It's so funny. I love the way the Lord does this. So I've read this verse before, but reading it in the Word this morning, it just hit me just right between the eyes. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Jack, I got to tell you, it stopped me in my tracks. Suddenly the idea of this perfect God-man, something I won't fully understand until I'm in his presence, but I will believe it nonetheless because of what it's done in my life and for my life. But he was this purity, absolute purity, and took on ugly, awful, horrible Mm. stuff just in my life, let alone the sins of the world, so that I would have what you just referenced before, the righteousness of God. I mean, that that humbles me. It takes my breath away. But I think if you contextualize it in the post-truth world in which we find find ourselves today, Jack, have we lost the understanding of what sin is and what sin is compared to God's holiness? Oh, yeah. And again, when you get back to the founding of our nation, and I, I own hundreds and hundreds of sermons from about 1730 to about 1780. Mm. And when you read those sermons that shaped our nation, the effect that 
for example, Sam, Samuel Davies had on, on Samuel Adams and John Adams. Yes. Uh, the preaching of the pulpit, they were called the Black Robe Regiment. The, mm-hmm. the, the King of England said, we've got to stop the other army. The other army is the Black Robe Regiment. They said, what are you talking about? And they, he said, it's those pastors preaching liberty and freedom uh, from the pulpits that, that are inspiring these people. Listen, when, when, you, when you preach the truth, I mean, think about, just tell people the truth. You said it in your opening statements about Jesus in John 17. If a pastor would believe the Word of God and give out the Word of God on Sunday, Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice, they'll follow me. Stop trying to be the voice of something to the flock. They're not your flock. They're his flock. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to present his word, and he will reach out to those whom he's calling. There will be those who they'll turn away. They'll walk away from the... That's not for us to determine. We are to be faithful to preach it and get back to the basics of what made this nation great. What made the church great was the pure, unadulterated doctrines of God and preaching them in the way under the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll make them relevant. The Holy Spirit's not trying to be relevant today. He's always relevant, and he goes to work. And so uh, I, my prayer is that me, myself, the pulpits of America would catch fire with his Amen. glory, yes, and we, we would see a revival in this nation, and then maybe, maybe the culture would change. Couldn't agree more, but you said something earlier that needs to be underscored. We keep talking about wanting another great American awakening. If you're a student of history, that doesn't happen, as you pointed out, unless it's preceded by repentance. Repentance can't happen if you don't understand the profundity of sin and what it means to be compared to a holy God. So there's some homework we have to do here. Otherwise, it's just vacuous words that mean nothing. Second, I want to talk about your love of history. There's a town in Virginia where they have a statue, and don't tell the Freedom From Religion Foundation because they'll get a bus and come out here as quick as they can. (laughs) But it's a Pastor Muhlenberg who is in the middle of giving a sermon, and it's before uh, he got in front of his congregation, and the statue is the picture of him taking off his cleric's robes, and underneath is the uniform of the Virginia Regiment, and he said there is a time to pray and there is a time to fight. And uh, I get goosebumps every time I see that because it's the application of the truth of Scripture. As you started out the conversation talking about Newsom in California, there's Caesar, there's God, choose you this day whom you will serve. So mm. we've been here before. We don't have to be afraid. We've got the tools that we need to proceed. Talk to, I heard a pastor of some notoriety speaking about this recently, and I was troubled when I heard him speak. But he was talking about the clarion call for unity. And I looked at my husband and I said, mm-hmm. a book of Amos, how, how do you walk together unless you're in agreement? And yeah, thank you. And it's like, wait a minute, unity for unity's sake is nothing. And there's only oh. unity under the banner of Jesus Christ, it seems to me. Talk to me about this. You have no idea the smile you just put in my face. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of, of Amos 3.3. One of the deceiving uh, spirits and doctrines of demons in the last days is a call for ecumenicalism, which is a fancy word for can't we all just unite? And mm. that is actually impossible because you can only unite around things that you agree upon. And so when someone says, let's unite for uniting's sake, isn't it, doesn't the Bible say it's uh, how pleasant and beautiful it is that the brethren dwell together in unity? Wait mm-hmm. a minute, there's a, there's a prerequisite. They're brethren. Yes. It means that they are brothers and sisters from and by the Word of God. So, no, unity is not at the top because you have to have truth at the top by which you can unify around. And not everyone 
is going to embrace the truth. And Charles Spurgeon said that when that division takes place and people leave off with the truth, he said those are called blessed subtractions. Mm. And pastors need to realize that a big church doesn't mean it's, it's a correct church. And just because you might have a personality of being charismatic doesn't mean you are actually under the operation of the Spirit. Make sure you are operating in the Word of God. And Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit will come, and He will not speak of Himself, but He will speak all things that which I have commanded you. So exalt Christ, stay in the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit will take over with his power. Oh, friends, I hope you're hearing this. If this were in written word, it'd be highlighted in a yellow magic marker. Jack, you write in the book, true unity arises from agreement over truth. It isn't unity for unity's sake. That's imperative for us to understand. So much more in the book. I'm glad I have more time with Pastor Jack Hibbs. The book is called Living in the Days, D-A-Z-E, of Deception. It speaks right to where we as the followers of Christ are today. It offers the hope that we will not be taken captive, but it's a reminder of the work we must do by staying in the Word and recognizing whose we are and what He's done for us. Back after this. If you like this program, you're going to love Pastor Jack Hibbs' brand new book, Living in the Days of Deception. It's what we talk about all the time. It's the primary theme of this program, that we are living in a fascinating age. And by the way, can we just hit the pause button for a minute and understand you didn't stumble on this era of human history. You were placed here by divine appointment. I've often said, and maybe it's because while I am so close to the nation's capital, I am a proud resident of the Commonwealth of Virginia where we have history for both the Civil War and the Revolutionary War. And so I've often thought, in fact, my husband used to say, Lord, why didn't you place me in the 1700s so I could help write the Constitution? Well, now he's upholding that same Constitution they were writing in the 1700s. But he didn't put us in the 1700s when we were moving away from Mother England. He didn't put us in the Civil War when sin was trying to split this country from stem to stern. We are living in the 21st century where good is called evil and evil is called good. And you, my friend are not here by mistake. You're here by divine appointment. And that takes us to one of the things that Pastor Hibbs talks about toward the end of the book, who is the ultimate deceiver. Again, Pastor Hibbs is the senior and founding pastor of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, the founder and president of Real Life Ministry, and also a fabulous radio and TV program that goes around the world. So the ultimate deceiver is the one who has multiple names, and one of them is the deceiver. So you write about the Antichrist. Talk to me about who he is, because um, where this is on the eschatological timeline is absolutely fascinating. And we read in Scripture about some of the things he's going to do. And when I was a kid years ago, I used to think, wait, how, how, how does he talk to the world all at the same time? Ta-da! Mm. I give you the Internet. You know, all the things that have changed or uh, buy and trade with a mark. We didn't have ATM cards back then. So you see the stage of all this stuff kind of getting set up. And if you're in the Word, your heart beats a little faster and you get excited. It's anything but scared. It's great. It's joyous anticipation. But talk to me about the Antichrist before we talk about how we are equipped to survive in these days. Your words are perfect. Um, first of all, the Bible. Two listen, uh, 2,000 years ago, the Bible said that the entire world would see the advent of the Antichrist, that they would view it. So keep that in mind. Look around the world right now. Our world, I could argue, is leaderless. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about a time when the world will be hungry for a leader. Daniel tells you that he will rise to prominence because the world will want prosperity and peace, and that's how he deceives the world into allegiance. Think about the issues of borders. 
The Bible tells us that in the last days, the, the establishments of God are going to be rejected. It's the God of the Bible who established borders and put people within those boundaries. What about Israel? The Bible says in the last days, Israel will stand all alone, abandoned by the nations of the world. You got political corruption. You got misinformation rampant. We've got, as we said earlier, the, the, the ignorance of Christian history in America. Uh, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, Janet, we've all heard and we've seen this and we've read this, that when somebody rejects the authority of God to be over their lives, when they do that, have you noticed that they gravitate toward the strangest things? <laughs> they they yeah. won't submit to God, but they'll submit to a rock in the middle of the desert as they sit on it with you know with their fingers in their navel and they and they'll hum and you wonder what is happening well on a grand scale it seems as though our nation boy i hope i'm wrong about this but it seems like our nation has so kicked god out of the courtroom out of the classroom out of the public square that now our nation is fearful it's terrified it will believe in anything but the truth, in fact, if you want to get in trouble, just declare some truth, and you'll be called every name under the book, and that is yet, again, another sign that we're living in the days of deception. Exactly right. You end the book, and let me just tell my friends again, folks listening from Guam to the Cayman Islands, there is a ton more in this book. I'm just skating over the surface but if I've piqued your interest to do a deeper dive on this, good, so be it. That's my goal. Again, the book is called Living in the Days, D-A-Z-E, of Deception. I have a link on my info page. Click on through. You can see how you can get your copy. Again, you started our conversation beautifully, Jack, by saying we can't be afraid. We have no reason to be afraid. If we're in the Word, we know this stuff is coming. We know where our hope is. And we look mm -hmm. forward to seeing, yet again, more prophecy being fulfilled and trusting in Him who has the days ahead of us laid out. So we've been equipped. What is the biggest thing, followers of Christ, as the days are going to get darker? I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimistic realist. But they're going to get darker. What is the biggest thing we need to know about how then shall we live? Exactly the question I posited earlier. What do we need right. to do to proceed in the days ahead? I, I would do this, almost diagnostic, so you can go out and do the actual. Number one, let's all ask ourselves, do I know the gospel? Can I repeat the gospel to somebody else? Do I care about the souls of my neighbors and those that I work with? Because if time is short, look, I believe either Jesus could come back for me today or I could drop dead today. Mm -hmm. What have I done for him? I, I know enough. If I know John three sixteen, I need to get out there and tell somebody. Notice that in the Gospels, when Jesus was discovered, Nathaniel and Philip, they all went, went around telling people, we have found the chosen one, the one that Moses and the prophets spoke about. Tell people about the Gospel. But listen, you can't do that unless you know it. So I would say this, the urgency of the hour with all that's going on in the world around us, don't, don't be deceived by the smile on your neighbor's face. Your neighbor is scared. Your neighbor is nervous. Mm -hmm. They don't know if they're going to have a bank account tomorrow. They don't know if they're going to have life tomorrow. Don't assume they're okay. Tell your neighbor that God has provided a way for them to have eternal life through Jesus. But we need to be, how about this, recklessly abandoned for the things mm -hmm. of God like we used to be recklessly abandoned for the dumb things of this world. Mm -hmm. And now's the time to live out our faith. And you are so right, Janet. We have been appointed to live out this time for such a time as this. God makes no mistakes so we can live with boldness and we need not be afraid. We can speak comfort, love, peace, and power 
and salvation into the hearts and minds of those that we know. Amen. Amen. I've often said as challenging and as interesting and as deeply deceiving as these days are, I thank God that he has chosen for us to be alive at this time because the distinctive between light and dark, I don't think has ever been clearer. But I think they've got some challenges ahead. And if you're not grounded, you're in trouble. Jack, you you end by giving some suggestions. I'm going to read them real quick. And you talk about them more in the book. Get into your Bible daily, then get up and walk in the spirit, which is to obey him. Be careful not to make worship legalistic. Pursue holiness. Be passionate. Give expressively. Love deeply. And by that, you mean love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's about as deep as it gets. This book is fabulous. It's timely. It's encouraging because, come on, I know you, you watch the news, right? And you're thinking it's gloom and doom and mayhem and chaos and lawlessness. Yeah, it might be all those things. But then you've got that book that you should be in before you read the newspaper or turn on the TV that says he's coming again. And oh, my, what a reminder. And I say this to you, friends, often. This is not as good as it gets. Real life hasn't even started yet. My thanks to Pastor Hibbs and to you. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.